I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford Football Club. And we're back. We're back. It's it's good to be back. We only had a short holiday, actually, um, you know, comparatively. So uh, are you feeling refreshed? I'm still joined here by, by show regulars Jordan Weimer and Tom Burdell. You're both here with me. Are you feeling refreshed, guys? Yeah, you know, it feels like a really long break, even though it actually wasn't. It seems like a long, long time since we sat down and had a chat on here but um yeah i guess i'm kind of feeling refreshed what about you guys yeah yeah i'm feeling ready i'm feeling ready to to move on with uh with the premier league season i mean i, I know it's uh it's still quite a few weeks away but there's lots of chatter to be done uh, about the build-up towards it and um and we're going to start some of that here today um i think probably the first place to start really is the fact that very recently Scott Duxbury has, uh, has been out speaking to people and he doesn't always uh, get out there and verbalise um, his thoughts. So um, we probably should start there. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good place to start. I mean, we've talked a lot about, about Duxbury comments in the past, so I think it's good to have another opportunity to, to comment on that. What were, your, what, were your, what were your main takeaways from this? Is there anything that really stuck out when you're listening to it? I know... Um, I guess maybe one point to cover real quick. I know there was talk about um, a, a particular player that was kind of deemed as being mm-hmm. disruptive during uh, that kind of initial phase uh, before we kind of ch- changed that form around. I felt like it was very thinly veiled that it was Etienne Capoue that we were talking about in that in that situation. Is that kind of where everyone else was thinking? I was going to say, by process of elimination, it has to be Capoue, right? And that, that hurts me more than most to say, but... He's the only one of the sort of once-away mob who was there for any part of the season, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Even Decore, who I think it was quite clear wanted to go from the outset, went before a ball had been kicked. That was all tied up very quickly, wasn't it? I think it'd be hard to blame Danny Welbeck. He was training away from the group, I think they've said, yeah. in the, the subsequent time. So yeah, it's I, think it's very, I think it's very unlikely to be anyone else um, based off kind of the way he framed it. But... I also think too, I think it's worth, uh, I don't know, it kind of felt a little bit unfair to me to Agreed. to single out. I mean, I know you can say you're not singling out a player, but it's, you know, it's to me, it's as clear as saying you've got an issue with a striker that names a T, you know, it's, <laughs> it, you can't, you can't make a, such a narrow conclusion as to who it is. But anyway, I, I think it's a little bit unfair. Um, we don't know the situation and we're just kind of going off that, that one kind of 
clip there of, of Duxbury saying that he was an issue. But I do think it's worth considering that it's not just necessarily a fact of Etienne Capu being in the being in the squad and being an actively disruptive figure, it also can be a number of factors that play a part into that. We kind of had a little discussion off air about this yesterday briefly, but I, I do think with someone like Kapu is a you know, a competitive guy and he's a pretty emotional guy too. I think if he's not happy and if he's not trying to be outwardly unhappy, it's still going to have an effect on the squad. So there might be a bit of truth in it. I'm not saying that Duxbury's making this thing up, but I do think we should maybe kind of try and think about the context of it before we look at it as being an insidious thing. So I've seen some comments online which kind of point towards Etienne Capu being a negative figure in general when I think that he's, he was pretty central to a lot of the good things that we did yeah, at this club too. So I, I wouldn't get too overboard. No, that does seem a bit harsh, doesn't it? I think you got to take the rough with the smooth, and the smooth was pretty good, wasn't it? He was a central yeah. part of the best Premier League Watford team ever. You know, he was brilliant under Gracia, and he seemed to genuinely, you know, for a guy that was tipped for big things when he was younger, played for France, played for Spurs, you know, he seemed to genuinely really like it. You can't blame the bloke at, whatever he, was he, 32 when we got relegated? Yeah. For thinking, bloody hell, the championship, this is a bit shit. Um, no no offence, but we're Premier League fans again, so we can say it. No, I'm joking, I love the championship. Um, you know, and look, and he's been ultimately vindicated, hasn't he? Because only this week he's been man of the match in the Europa League final. Um, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't argue with that really can you no not at all I think he I think you can you can understand the player at that stage of his career wanting an, uh, an opportunity to go and to go and win something but then again having said that you could also make the argument that at the time he went to Villarreal probably weren't thinking he was going to win a trophy I mean they've done incredibly well but that probably wasn't in his mind necessarily but he wants to be playing at a, at a high level and I, I don't th- I think a player that wants to leave can can be a disruptive influence just because they have that desire to leave and not maybe they're not putting their full into training or they're a bit you can imagine Kapu kind of being a bit sulky around the place but it's not necessarily actively being disruptive it's just that I think when you take some of those characters out you need to have people that are kind of 100% committed towards the cause and that was discussed uh, way before Kapu left that was discussed under Ivic when he first came in uh, and it wasn't addressed beforehand we we made a decision as a club to keep to keep Kapu on until January um, maybe there, was, there weren't enough suitors at the time, but it was a decision we, we we decided to make. And, you know, there was talk beforehand of him putting his transfer request in in the summer, I believe, too. And uh, it wasn't acted upon. So I think we've kind of got to be a little bit careful if we put too much of a, of a blame on Kapu or, or criticise too heavily when we don't fully know the, the actual situation. Do you think in general Watford fans are, are pleased for him that he's uh, you know managed to get himself a trophy? That seems like it. Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? I mean, from the response I've seen on online, it seems that uh, pretty pretty overwhelmingly pleased that he's managed to do. Something. I mean, I, I think fans feel good about Kapu. He left in kind of disappointing circumstances, but I, I think we all pretty much feel that we got our value out of Kapu as a, as a player. Um, he came at a good price. He put in some some really good performances over the years, and he was kind of a a constant in that in that Premier League era and I think most fans wish him the best because of what he did for us so I, I think that's why the, the kind of the news coming out the next day or that sound bite from Duxbury coming out the next day is just so contrast to how everyone was feeling the, the, the night before after him winning that winning the Europa League final but um, yeah I mean personally I, I still feel pretty positive on it Put it this way I woke up to a picture of a mate my former colleague of mine who works for Villarreal now in their press team uh, on the pitch at the Stadio Ceramica with Etienne Capoue because uh, he knew I'd appreciate it. So that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a lovely, that's a lovely move that from from the press at, at Vicarage Road down to uh, down to Villarreal. Mm. That's it. What a guy. 
dream. Um, so in terms of the Duxbury kind of quotes from that interview, I mentioned this kind of some discussion of recruitment there. What was it exactly that said about recruitment? Was it a continuation of um, wanting to kind of stick with the younger players and, and look to move forward in that way? That was kind of the gist of it, wasn't it? Yeah, it's exactly that. I think that maybe we lost our way in the Premier League in the final season before we were relegated a little bit. And the, the explicit example that Duxbury gave, which I said to you guys, I found a little bit strange, but I could sort of see what he was saying was, you know, historically we've been about signing the next Richarlison and, and we obviously did. And then in that final season, maybe we signed the established Richarlisons and, and kind of got away from our um, model, which, you know, I don't really think we signed anyone of that ilk. But I guess by that he means, you know, Craig Dawson, who had been around a while, Danny Welbeck, who had obviously been a big um, big name previously. But I, I don't know, what do you guys think? I, I don't know how much I'm buying that in the respect of we've kind of been doing that for a little while, haven't we? Gradually, gradually been buying more established names I'm thinking you know off that first season even that first season of the promotion you know like I'd heard of or was fully aware of people like Valon Barami when they came in Diamante or I suppose Diamante and Bibarbo are bad examples because they offered so little <laughs> but even after that you know we signed uh, Daryl Yam Matt Yunus Kabul mm. it's, uh, you know I'm not going to list everyone that'd be incredibly boring but there's always been a nice balance I think maybe that was the point that we missed that balance yeah, I think it also coincides with the same season we bought Ishmael Assar too, though. So it's kind of a strange. Um, yeah, that undermines. I don't think. I don't think we. I don't think we've been particularly good at. If we're talking about youth in, in particular, I don't think we've been particularly good in that Premier League era at bringing in. We weren't a young side. We we're never a young side. We're always towards the top end of average age in the league. We 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 did sign these kind of younger players. And we looked to find these players to sell on fees like Richarlison, like Ishmael Assar. Um, but fundamentally, we did rely quite heavily on um, good value through older players, likes of uh, Miguel, uh, Miguel Britos, um, Sebastian Prodo, you know, all these all these players that have, have come in at that age, you know, you touched on there, Barami, um, countless others, Diamante, etc. Lots of these guys came in because they were free or very low value, likes of Holobas, you know, we signed him at 33, 34 years old, whatever he was, 32, whatever he was at the time. Um, we're definitely not a team that came up and looked to kind of push ourselves on mainly through youth. And I know we like to sprinkle that in there and try to find those players, but I wouldn't say necessarily that our, our business in that final season was much different to the previous ones, um, personally. But I, I do think I do think it's right in addressing it as an issue, but I don't think it was a new issue, if that makes sense. But it does seem like we've trying to rectify that a little bit. I think we've done quite a good job when we went down of using it as an opportunity to, you know, you're playing in a low division, you have a little bit more flexibility in terms of quality that you can have in your squad and gives you the chance to maybe try a few younger players. And we have lowered that age group quite well. Um, and then that does kind of bring us on to now what we're looking at going forwards this summer. Uh, we do seem to be kind of targeting some of those younger guys. We've not been linked with the same amount of kind of veterans and pros that we had been previously. Yeah. Um, there's obviously been some deals done. I was going to uh, say, if we just on. tie all that up for momentarily, and we'll come on to all these things separately in a bit, but, you know, the talk about the, the action that's been taken in terms of the academy restructuring and Duxbury's comments, and then you look at the guys that have been confirmed signing so far, they're both teenagers. That probably isn't a coincidence, is it, all these um, different parts of it? Yeah, I mean, I'll believe the academy stuff when I see it, honestly. Yeah, plus um, one on that. Yeah, I, I, I don't... It's not even a criticism, but I do think, and I'm not even actually just using this in regards to Duxbury here, I'm saying in general when clubs talk about the academies, I often think it's quite 
pandering to the romanticism of, of fans. I think fans want to see those academy players coming through, and I think it's just getting less and less likely as time goes on, uh, especially in the traditional way they come up through the youth team and, and go into that first team. I think often that success of kind of academy players comes from consistent loans um, to other clubs and playing first team football. I don't think you're going to necessarily have that same effect with the players that you're bringing into your own youth yeah. system. I don't think many of the of the academy products have come from Watford per se. I think, I mean, a lot of them seem to come from South London at the minute. That seems to be the, the, the goal. That's the spot, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we are in, we may not be a technically a London club. We are in a situation where we, we are able to capitalise with a few others who are obviously competing for it, like Crystal Palace and stuff. We are able to kind of be in that catchment area. You can kind of pick up some of the stragglers from the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal. And, and these players, I mean, the, judging players at that age is so, so difficult. And there's there's so much of almost a gamble involved in them in them players that you can pick up some of them guys and they, they do turn into something and it's, it's a possibility. But I think the difficulty is you still want to be seeing them playing football at a certain age. Um, I, I think it's kind of, I don't think it's true that if you're actually in the academy, if you're under, in the under 23s or 21s, you're really looking at the a route to a first team of football. And you can you can really see that from the retained and released list from that's come out just a few days ago. Um, in terms of players we let go, a lot of those yeah. guys on that list were players that have been talked about as you know the, the cream of the crop from, from the under 23s, and they're the ones that have been let go. Yeah. And they've got some exceptions there in the likes of Hungbo, but Dalby and Spencer Adams, they're all players that had talk, been talked about and had featured somewhat. Um, for the first team, even if that wasn't in some some cup competitions, um, but I, I think if you're looking at a real way of kind of progressing that that youth side and that under twenty three side into being kind of a, a feeder group for the first team, I think there's still a long way to go on that. Um, and I'm not sure English football is kind of prepared currently to offer the quality of reserve football needed to have the caliber of player that's ready for a first team opportunity when it comes about. Yeah. Toby Stevenson as well was one of those guys that um, got a few yeah. minutes in the cup. And I, when I saw him, I thought he looked okay, but, you know, clearly not deemed good enough to um, to make an impact. It's just and, a big, yeah. it's a big jump, isn't it? It's Matt? a massive like, jump. It's a huge one. And you see that when these players get on the pitch, it's not a criticism. It's just, it's just the reality of it. Um, to, to, especially you go up another division, it becomes even harder. Um, but what I will say in, in terms of the players we have, in terms of the players who come in looking at this summer, um, and one that did just sign in, in, in regards to Matty Pollock. I don't think this is a player that's coming in um, to play for the 23s. I don't think that's kind of his future. I think we're bringing him in to, to have more of a first-team view um, and potentially get him alone. Uh, but I'm actually not I'm actually not sure. I haven't had a look at him. I, I do wonder if they do feel that he might have something to contribute to the first team this season. It's kind of still unclear to me. I'd like to do a little bit more research and try to do my full due diligence on this one before I say too much positive or negative but I think he looks like a prospect that's coming in to, to contribute a lot quicker than uh, or a lot more likely to contribute to that first team than some of the other kind of younger youth players that have been brought in around his age um, you would more likely expect to see playing from the 23s Well should we talk a bit about him then as you, as you brought him up um, I think probably one of the names that people mentioned straight away when they saw this signing was Ben Wilmot it feels like a Ben Wilmot yeah. type signing what do you reckon Tom? You're taking words out of my mouth, mate, to be honest, because as I was going to say, it's a similar sort of profile, isn't he? He's kind of teenager, played, you know, decent number of games in League Two last season. Not, as Jordan says, someone that is clearly not going to come in and just be an under-23. There's Presumably, he'll be involved in pre-season. They'll get a bit more of a look, of it, a look at him, get him around the first team 
set up and see what he's going to contribute. If we're going to only play, if we're going to play back four, we've got a bit of a log jam at centre half already, I think, haven't we? Which we might discuss today, might discuss another time. But I don't think it's inconceivable that he's that he's involved if he, you know, makes the right impression or at the very least, um, you know, kept around it and in some match day squads this season. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty fair. Um, from what I've seen of him, he looks mature physically for his age. I don't think you're bringing in. I think there's there's some similarities to Ben Wilmot. Um, but I do think that at the ages when we signed them at that, that nineteen kind of a nineteen year old player, I think they look a bit a little bit different in terms of kind of where they are in their career. I think I think Pollock's a little bit more, as I said, mature. He just looks like a closer to his kind of his full potential in that sense. I think Walmart kind of you can see those traits, but I think Pollock's quite quite steady actually. I was quite impressed, and he's playing some obviously some some good football for Grimsby. It's kind of given him that. He's that played kind of a lot more for has. Grimsby than than Wilmot did for Stevenage in his. Yeah, he's that's what I mean. He's season. kind of further along, not just physically, but also in his game. Um, I think he's he's had the opportunity to play more, and that's definitely definitely helping him. Uh, I think Wilmot at the time, I, I think it was very clear that realistically he was going to be loaned out or on the on the very periphery of the squad. I, I do wonder if if Matt is going to be seen as a different prospect there. Maybe a little bit quicker route to the first team. Um, he's he's quite combative. He's he's a different player in the sense that Wilmot you kind of think as that almost kind of ball playing progressive centre back. Where Pollock's somewhere in between. He he can definitely play with the ball, but he's he's really good in his challenge. He's he's very good physically, and he's also quite quite good at defending in space. He's he's quite he's quite technically smart. He's sound. He's he's just he's just got a lot of things you like to see in a, in a defender his age, especially one that's been able to play as many first team minutes as he has, because it can be quite difficult to to find those guys. But his name has been one that's been floating around for a little bit for a few clubs um, in the Championship and in the Premier League. So to take him on, it, it does feel like quite a positive kind of snag there. And as did Ben Wilmot at the time too. And it's not to take away from Ben Wilmot, because I still I still think there's a chance he can contribute at some point. But um, if we're going to be making signings, then I've by no means got any, any criticism for us looking at players like this. And interestingly, they're both sons of uh, former professional footballers as well. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's correct, actually. Quite niche, yeah. isn't it? Jamie Pollock. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, let's just hope talent doesn't skip a generation, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you've got the likes of uh, Mauricio Pochettino and then you've got the likes of Mitchell Burkamp. So, uh, that's true. I that's mean, true. It, it can go either way, can't you? But Well, I- in terms of in terms of Matty Pollock, I'm, I'm so far, I'm, as I said, I'm going to watch more. I want to see more of him. But so far, I've been pretty impressed. Um, and yeah, I think you should feel quite positive on this one. Uh, as I said, these are kind of deals that you... You don't really have to feel too negatively about the fee is very low, and you're looking at a young player there that's got lots of traits that that you like, and you know you bring him on the five year deal, you're paying maybe two hundred fifty thousand max, and uh, you've you've got a potentially good player on your on your hands. Whether that's Premier League level or not remains to be seen, but uh, he's certainly going to have an opportunity to impress over pre season, and and who knows what could happen. Stranger things have happened in football, so I'm hoping he gets an opportunity to kind of uh, play a bit in pre season and see what happens. Okay, well, he's one of the people that uh, the Watford have uh, confirmed as of having signed. The other one is Quadwo Bar, uh, another youngster that you, you briefly mentioned there, Jordan. Let's talk a bit more about him now. And he's he's probably more of an exciting one, just because fans love to see goals being scored, don't they? And he's scored quite a few this season for Rochdale. Very direct, isn't he? Very pacey. Wants to wants to come inside, and it feels like there's you know there's real bit decent kind of end product with him in terms of his, his crossing and say scored a few goals as well I think he you know he looks like he's got the potential to be really quite entertaining and, and the fact that City were allegedly keen on him in kind of January time bodes well as well so 
Yeah, he looks he looks interesting, and he's had quite a you know interesting career path already, isn't he? Born in Germany and ended up here, so I'm I'm quite interested to see where they kind of put him in the the depth chart, I suppose, for want of a better word. Is he someone that ends up out on loan, or you know, is he staying around the first team, or what? It's quite hard to call, I reckon. I think both could benefit from a loan if I'm if I'm being honest, but um, otherwise it's it's moments and minutes from the bench isn't it surely surely they're not starters well i mean for me from what I've, from what i've seen of bar I, I, and also i'm also gonna kind of take some of some words i've, I've got from some other scouts some scouts have actually watched a, a fair bit of bar and have been to quite a few live games of his especially ones that cover watch in particular and they do think that that i think the premier league is is very way too quick for him at this point um it, it seems to be more of a deal that's looking towards um, looking towards perhaps a loan um, this season, I'd imagine um, it, something that something we could get done hopefully quite early and, and get into first team football. I think he's he's a good player. He's got again, he's got the traits you like to see, and he's he's you, you've seen that on this tape. It comes up very quickly. He's very good at beating a man, getting the crossing. He can he can take a shot, but it's that consistency. Um, he did kind of fall out of Rochdale's team towards the end of the season. He, he maybe struggled a little bit there. So I think a, a loan towards the top end of League One, uh, maybe Championship. That would be ideal for him, um, but as I said, I think Pollock maybe. Um, I think maybe there's a chance that he could be involved in the first team. I know we've got a lot of centre backs there. We discussed that, um, but for me personally, I think there's actually room to break into that group. Um, I, I do actually see that as a potential route for him. Okay, and uh, a combined total of about two hundred and twenty-five thousand is what we're talking about for two very talented young players. I mean, that's a good bit of business there. It is, and it's you know they're two routes that we. Maybe didn't we take we didn't maybe take advantage of in the first spell in the Premier League as much um, or our last spell sorry, uh, then them sort of players that are falling away from from top division talent uh, from top division teams sorry, likes of uh, Bar that was close to Man City and then obviously Pollock's a different a, a different prospect someone that comes from that league football but has a route to uh, or a future in a kind of higher level and it's been a quite it's been assessed quite early by a lot of clubs that he's going to have a, a good career at that level or above. Um, so jumping in on those deals early, it's, it's a good insurance plan because worst case scenario, you know, as you said, you're out with 300,000 for both of them there. Um, but best case scenario, you kind of get, you get a good player in your hands that can contribute to the first team or make you a profit in the future. Um, so them sort of deals, I've got no complaints whatsoever. Um, I'm sure as we kind of get on now and talk about some more players we've been linked with at the very least, we'll kind of talk about talk about perhaps some complaints from people um, but these two here um, I think you can only, only really feel quite positive about them personally yeah I, I haven't seen much on Twitter of people saying they're unhappy by this I think I think what I've what I've seen is people saying these are great as long as these are not it well actually I will touch on that actually that's something that's something I did want to talk about too because that is actually something I've seen in terms I actually saw that someone kind of pointed me towards that in regards to Pollock which I I, I was very surprised about because as far as I was concerned I couldn't see a single negative um, um, from the deals but I think the criticism was um, I think the criticism was that yeah, exactly what you just said. Is that going to be? Is that the type of signing we we make when we're going to the Premier League? We're bringing up these players from League League One, League Two, and and trying to go that way now. I don't think that's the the plan at all. The, the the fact of the matter is, these are players that were out of contract. 
Um, again, we're going to be talking about shortly, Ashley Fletcher, another player who's out of contract. These are deals that are the easiest deals to get done. It's the quickest one to get done. You don't have to negotiate a fee with the club. You're simply talking to the player and his representative. And also, uh, they're the ones you can announce right now as well, well because because yeah. we haven't reached the point yet where we can start actually announcing uh, transfers. Exactly, Matt, exactly. Um, so these the, the deals getting done now in this situation it's exactly what you expect. Um, it's exactly what you want. You don't want these, the free agent signings you make towards the end of the window are generally less successful because a lot of teams have had time to look and discuss options with them and they haven't found a club. These sorts of deals are going to happen at this point in the season. And that's, as you said, it's all we really can do and can announce at this point too. Um, so don't get frustrated with the signings. Don't think that it's an, an indication of kind of where we're going, what, what route we're taking. Uh, same with Ashley Fletcher too. There's much more to happen in this, in this off season before you can really judge any recruitment. Let's wait until the window even opens before you get too, too negative on the, uh, on the recruitment side of things just yet. Ashley Fletcher then, Jordan. Uh, what do we know about this guy? Yeah, no, I think in regards to Ashley Fletcher, I think we have to kind of take it in the context of of the squad in general. We're trying to reshape a squad. We've got a bit of, I don't know, we're a bit a bit bloated in that forward department right now, that centre forward department. Mm. I think the club are looking to kind of move some players on in that in that area. Ashley Fletcher brings you some value. He's he's, a, he's kind of a younger age profile, slightly, you know, twenty five, mid twenties. It's it's not a bad kind of age range for us. Um, you're probably looking at a deal that's probably not costing us much more than 500,000 when you when you kind of include those agent fees and sign-on fees and etc and that he's had a bit of a mixed career he's not been he's not been great he's not kind of lived up to that potential but he's shown flashes and we might only be calling upon him in certain situations and if if the club have looked at him and they feel that he can contribute in some way or at least contribute more than some of them we currently have in the squad right now who are taking up far far greater amount of wages and kind of you know then weekly wages are much bigger than the likes of Andre Gray uh, for example or even Troy Deeney now I'm not saying he's necessarily in there to replace those two but it's a possibility um, and we have to consider that when we're looking at the deal uh, if if bringing in a striker who's a little bit cheaper um, it's shown some flashes and and you feel he's got something to offer if that gives us the flexibility to invest some of that some of that salary or some of that transfer fee we may have had to put down for someone else if that gives us that flexibility to put that somewhere else and, and strengthen another position then you know it makes the deal worth it I don't think we're signing Ashley Fletcher to come in and be our starter but he's someone that might be able to offer something throughout the course of the season I was going to say, is he? Is it me, or he seems like the kind of striker that you probably want to throw on in games, right? He's quite. He doesn't yeah. seem like he's rapid, but he's not slow either. You know, he can get in behind. And if a game is stretched, and you're just chucking the ball up to big man trying to get something out of the game and get him turning defenders, like he seems pretty adequate for that. What's his What's his game, Jordan? For someone that doesn't know anything about Ashley Fletcher, how does he play? What What is it? And and also. Can we say, is he similar to anyone that we currently have? Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily similar to anyone we have. I think he's quite a, he's quite a rangy forward. He's a, he's a big guy, but he's not someone you're necessarily going to... He, he can compete in the air. He can, he can take the physical duels on, but he's not someone you could be playing as a target man. He's someone that wants to take the ball down and, and take a touch and kind of get past his man. He's... He's six one or so, but he's quite he's quite good at beating his man. He's quite he's quite strong on the ball when he has possession. Um, he's able to travel with it quite nicely, and he's got a, he's got a clean strike. He's a technically sound footballer. Um, in terms of direct comparisons, yeah, there's, there's not really anyone in the squad that I would, I would compare him to, um, which is a good thing in some ways. He has he has a little bit of variety. I think maybe if you're looking towking towards anyone, you'd say Pericha in the sense that you're looking at a big-bodied striker who can he can play in the air, but he he wants to be active in the box, and you kind of see that in Fletcher too. 
Um, he's not that kind of go-to target man. He's saying a little bit different. Um, he likes to get wide at times. He's happy to drop deep and he's just an all-round decent player. Um, I, I don't dislike him at all. And I think, I think if he can stay fit for the season, um, he, there's no reason he can't contribute. He's had his issues and he's not quite been able to to perform at that level that he wants to. But you know, it's also there's also the possibility the player can change and improve. And, and if some of these things are off the field or if they're kind of in his head, you don't know. But there's definitely the raw traits there for him to be a good player. And for the for the value in the deal and for the the need that we have in that position, I don't see the negative because I also I also don't think it's unlikely at all that we're bringing in another striker on top of him as well mm. as releasing some so if actually Fletcher ends up being a second or third choice forward uh, that could be used in different scenarios different different occasions then then why not especially for that value because it, we, we were interested in, in him previously before he even went to Borough so this isn't like a, this isn't a new situation it's something we've obviously monitored for a while and it's an opportunity to be taken so um, I don't think adding a player with those kind of attributes really hurts your team that much at all can I add two things? One, as you rightly said there, he's probably a second or third choice striker, second at best. You don't want to be putting a lot of money into those players. You know, look at Spurs, and, and, and it's a difficult sell as well. Look at Spurs, every year virtually, they try and buy a Harry Kane deputy. That's one of the six biggest clubs in the Premier League, and they usually, you know, they've had guys like um, Vincent Janssen and what have you. They've got Vinicius yeah. on loan from Benfica. It's very hard. So it's a hard sell for them. It's going to be a bloody hard sell for us. Secondly, um, I, I don't know how true this is, but I'll, I'll say this. My view of him was skewed somewhat by watching Sunderland Till I Die and the kind of narrative around him and that was built up that, oh, you know, Ashley Fletcher is going to come in and, you know, he's going to be the saviour. Um, and, it, you know, it didn't work out. And he, I, I wonder if that being that kind of high-profile failure on a television show that a lot of us have probably watched over the last year or whenever it was out has probably subconsciously or otherwise helped colour people's view of you know what sort of player he is he scored 10 goals in the championship season before last that's obviously not you know oh my god knock me over with a feather duster stuff but you know he, which is not a thing anyway but he can evidently <laughs> score goals <laughs> so <laughs> that's oh my, it's not Ronaldo or Messi not me I've got a feather duster saying. he's good <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he you know it's something there he came through at Man United West Ham paid £6 million for him. There's a footballer in there. It hasn't happened. I don't think it's a horrible signing. I'd rather we were getting him for free than spending £20 million on someone who scored seven goals in Italy last season. Also, I don't think we have to... Again, we have to get into our heads that we're not... When you're looking at strikers, we're not just looking at goal scored as the only thing we judge them on. That's, exactly. not, that's not what we're doing here, especially someone that we're not looking to... We're looking to necessarily start every game. Um, we're looking for someone that can offer something. And as I said, he's a rangy guy. He can get around the pitch. He can offer you some, offer you some things in some wide areas. He's had some experience playing on the wing. He's got some pace to him. He's, he's got some strength to him. And he, he's got some some parts of his game that you're going to see some positives there. And you, you're going to want to give a go if it's for free. Um, also, taking the consideration the market we're working in. Uh, it, it kind of improves that value even more, and also to you're also comparing it to his his current his current teammates if he is to join in that forward area. What has he got to do really to provide more than uh, than Andre Gray, Stipe Paricha this season? Unfortunately, we wanted him to be able to play more and provide a little bit more. But if that is going to be his role in the squad, it's not going to be a very big one based on based on last season. Um, what does he have to do to improve on that? And really, we're not asking a ton of him to be a good signing. I don't think. Here's a slight issue for me, 
And it's that if we're expecting or maybe even hoping uh, that a, a number one striker is going to be to be signed, does Fletcher push Chao Pedro down the pecking order? And I don't want to curtail this this young talent's chances because I think he's got a real, real big, you know, prospect for us. And if we're giving Fletcher minutes, does that mean that Pedro will suffer? I wouldn't worry about it. If if, Pe- if, yeah. if Fletcher's good enough to put Pedro out of the team, then we're getting a great value signing on Fletcher. Um, if if he's not, then Pedro's playing well. That, that's that's what you've got to look at. And, you know, maybe Pedro, there's, there's been talk of Pedro being played in the left at some point, possible. Um, but I think if you've got those two players in the team, if one of them starting it, it's generally going to be a good thing because hopefully they're, they're two players that can push each other a little bit and just have that added threat. If it's someone that's just go likes and it's someone that's actually kind of pushing around that first team, then we want that competition in those forward areas. Don't forget too, we've got the likes of Chicho coming back most likely. Um, so again, we're kind of stacking that forward group. There's definitely going to be some outgoing. And for me personally, if that forward line was minus Andre Gray and probably Stipe Pericia and you brought in Chucho and Fletcher I think we're probably better off do you think those those might be the two like there, there, there won't be a, a marquee striker signing that people are praying for it's possible but given the team needs um, in other areas I, I'm not if Chucho if Chucho doesn't come back then I think there'll be a striker signed um, but I'm not convinced that I'm not convinced that there will be one. I think there are other team needs. We don't, we don't have the luxury of having adequate players out on loan that can come back and help us out. Um, that will be kind of looked at as more important to to reinforce in the transfer market. Actually, can I just touch on one thing real quick? Actually, there's one player that we have been um, have been linked quite heavily to over the last few weeks, and that's is that uh, last. Well, no, Larson is one, but that seems that that may be not happening now. Right. The other is Josh Doig. I was going to say. Um, yes. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I was going to say that it's Josh. I'm assuming it's Josh Doig. Josh Doig. Josh Doig. Um, Josh Doig. <laughs> um, yeah, Scottish left back plays for Hibernian. So that's one we've been linked to. Again, a 19 year old. Just wanted to kind of throw that in there because he's one that we, he kind of fits in that mold we're talking about with Pollock and and Barr, but a little bit further along um, the development line in terms of his first team football. Uh, and one that's been linked quite heavily with lots of other clubs and the kind of top end of England, the Arsenal's and Chelsea's, and I think Celtic as well have been linked there as well. Um, but someone that we can we can offer something there for him, we're kind of that, that path to first team football at the top division there. Um, and you'd hope that's one that comes over the line. I think it's a little bit more promising than the likes of Larson from Udinese, which we, we have been linked with this week as well. There's also Ferguson that we've been linked with as well. I don't know if that's... Uh... Yeah, again, again, dipping into the Scottish market there, aren't we? So I think we just, we have to look at all these links. And a lot of these links, you know, you get a lot of transfer nonsense during the, during the off-season, don't get me wrong. But a lot of these they seem quite legitimate and it's an indication of where we're looking and it, it, it's an indication that we are actually looking to uh, operate in a different area of the market this time around. I think that's only a positive for us because whilst there's some benefit and you want to have a bit of balance too, I'm not sh- saying we should write off kind of looking at these these veteran players coming in at, at certain points too, but if we're doing the majority of our business here, then uh, I think the club's going to benefit from that quite heavily. Okay. Well, um, it, talking about Doig then, um, what does he bring to the to the team that's that is lacking in that in that left back position? I mean, clearly we need some cover because Ashraf Lazar has not been retained, so there needs to be some kind of cover in that area. But but do we do we think that Doig is coming in to to be the you know the number one ahead of Messina? You know, I'm not convinced he couldn't be actually. Um, 
there are some similarities there. See, I watched quite. I watched a, a few um, a few games with Doigs, and the early games he was playing a lot more, a lot more narrow. Like in the early stages of the season, a lot more narrow, quite a lot more defensively. And he's a big body guy. He's, he's similar similar physically to Messi. He's about six one or so, uh, quite a rangy left back. Got some good pace in him, but he, he's really good in the challenge, good in the air. Um, as the season went on, I watched more, um, as well as actually speaking to some some guys on Twitter. Because initially, I thought, are we looking at this guy? Maybe he's even a quite a cultured like outside of the back three sort of centre back, someone that could be a little bit more progressive on the ball and could help you going forwards. But as time went on, um, it, it seems that he's looking as kind of more of that that player that can play in a more advanced position from left back even. He's really good at getting forward and he, he can get a good ball into the box. He can play the ball nicely and that's maybe something we criticised or, or had some frustration with with Massner at, at, at times in the last few years or since he's been, been with us is, is that choice of pass and, and kind of how he helps you up the pitch. And I think that's somewhere we struggle with Ken Semmer too. He didn't quite have that support that, that Ishmael Asar had from Kiko Femenu on the right. Um, so I think he's maybe a little bit more balanced um, as I said, though, still 19, there's, there's lots of time to kind of improve for him and, and develop. But he's someone that if he was to be brought in, he could certainly be pushing for that starting spot. And you'd think would be definitely at the very least one for the future, near future of that. He is in contract, so um, there will be a fee required if we, if we were to get his services. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's purely why we're kind of at the stage we are at this point in the offseason. It has nothing's kind of come to fruition yet because we are still waiting on, on things to open up and... Uh, and those sorts of deals to, to develop. So, um, staying in Scotland then, and we mentioned him already, Lewis Ferguson, uh, a little bit older, uh, 21, playing his football in the Scottish Premier League, just like uh, Doig is. And, um, you know, he looks talented. He's, it's that central midfield position that we identified as being one that we want to improve for the Premier League. Is he the type of player that, that we could do with, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, he's certainly one that it seems to be some interest there, doesn't it? It sounds like we've um, we've been quite active here and, He's quite all round. He's one I've probably watched the least of yet of these groups we've been talking about here. So bear that in mind. Uh, if anyone's got any, anything to add on here, please feel free. But from my understanding, he's a pretty all round, all action midfielder. He's quite solid defensively, able to contribute in the passing game. And I think that 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 profile of player is something we need. I think the midfield is is kind of maybe not quite talked about how much of a need a midfielder is for me. I think personally, that's my main priority this, this off season is finding that midfielder. Um, and if you're talking about marquee signings in some, in a lot of ways, that's where I'd be looking to make one or at least be, be most assured on the decision I've made in that position. Uh, if that means overspending a little bit or putting in that fee, then, then I'm quite happy for us to do that. Whether Ferguson's that guy or not, I'm not quite sure myself just yet, because as I said, I haven't watched quite enough, but um, all things I've heard have been, have been pretty positive. Um, and it seems to be there's it's not just us that's looking at him. It seems to be it's quite a, a general consensus that he's a he's a good player, ready to kind of step up a bit. What sort of midfielders do you think we need, Jordan? Um, so personally, I'm I really do feel we need someone that's able to contribute both ways. Um, I think mm-hmm. if you look at the current squad right now, you look through the midfield and kind of what our current options are. I think we. We obviously got. I mean, Will Hughes very well known quantity. We've seen some positive things from Chalaber in, in, in the second half of the season, uh, but he's had his injury issues himself too. Um, he was playing through injury kind of towards the end of the season too. I don't think you can feel entirely comfortable. You're going to get uh, a full 
uninterrupted season from perhaps either of those two, but Chadra in particular. Um, and also, you know, the likes of Cleverly, Gosling, they're hardworking, tenacious. But I think, we la- I think we're lacking a bit of quality in that midfield. Um, I think you want someone that can travel travel with the ball. Um, when we're going, I mean, in the championship, we're going to have a lot more possession. We're going to have routes forward. We're going to have time on the ball. We're going to have you know, space out wide and teams are going to creep back and then drop off against us and allow us room to kind of play a little bit. When we get to the Premier League, we've got a much different task at hand. Um, you're going to have to be a little bit more direct. You have to be a bit faster and a bit a bit more aggressive in your transition. You can't be you know, taking your time to pick up these passes. You're going to be under a lot of pressure for large portions of the game. Um, I think having a player that can carry the ball is, is pretty vital to that. Uh, and we saw that quite heavily you know, in our Premier League campaign with Adelaide Decore. I think he was key to that. Uh, how many times did he intercept the ball and, and kind of hurt the team on the counter by just kind of travelling with those those rangy long legs through midfield and, and giving the opposition something to think about. Uh, teams are going to be looking to shut down the likes of Saar uh, and, and whoever's playing on that left-hand side, whether it's Sema or, or Pedro. You, don't, you need to give them other things to worry about, other things to think about. Um, and of course, when you're playing in a, in a league with such quality, if you are committing players forward, you've got to have guys that are able to get back and you, you need someone that has that ability to get up and down. So I, I'd say someone you'd look at and, and describe perhaps as a box-to-box midfielder uh, would be ideal or someone that can allow uh, maybe someone else to fill that role. If, if you feel that Will Hughes could contribute there, then you know, that's, that's fine. I can entertain an argument for that. Um, but I, I do think you've got to find a way to to increase that kind of quality in that midfield and just the, the variation you can get within one player. Because right now, I think a lot of these guys are good at specific things. We need a bit more of an all-rounder. I, I, do, I do quite strongly feel that. DePaul often gets mentioned as being a possibility, but I don't, I don't know how the Udinese fans would take that, uh, us taking their, their best uh, player away from them. But uh, I mean, he certainly would light up the Premier League. I mean, DePaul would be an extreme injection of quality into our team, for sure. And I, I think, too, you maybe kind of scrap your ideas in midfield there and work out ways to, to accommodate DePaul, um, which I'd, all, I'd be all for if that wasn't an actual valid option. Um, how do you feel on uh, DePaul there, Tom? I, do you know what I think? I, just, I, I know he's been linked and what have you, and I just can't see it. Can you? I just feel like that's one that they can really cash in on. The, the deals between us and them are ones where the, the financial figure that they're likely to fetch is negligible versus the kind of impact to that team, if you know what I mean. So what I mean by that is if we say Stefano Akaka from us to Uzanese, what's his market value? Probably under €5 million. Euro. So, yeah. But what's his value to Uzanese as a goal scorer? Probably more than that in the sense of keeping, or you know, that in the sense of keeping them up. Rodrigo de Paul's probably on the open market in a non-COVID effective market. He's probably a 40, 50 million euro player, isn't he? So right, we're gonna, not going to I'm going to try and sell up. you a deal now. I'm going to try and sell you. We're, we're sat in the boardroom at Vicarage Road now. <laughs> just going to try and sell you, a, sell you a proposition here. So we've got Rodrigo de Paul, Udinese. What for just yeah. got promoted to the Premier League? We need quality. We're in a COVID situation right now. Transfer fees, you're going to knock 10, 15, 20 million off his value instantly in terms of what yeah. you're going to get from this season. He's 27 years old, turning 28. You've got a player that's depreciating on your hands. So what's your value? What Firstly, what's his value to Udinese? How much is he worth to them per season? How much how much value does he bring to that team per season in a kind of a, a, a well, million euro figure? He's whatever they yeah, he's whatever their difference between Serie A and Serie B is, really, isn't it? Right, he could, he could be a potential one quality player. Yeah, he could be potential staying in the league, or he could be potential. You know, he could he can make five plays different in that in that team. You could just say they're all hypotheticals, aren't they? We're trying to mm-hmm. establish what his value is. 
So you kind of got a player that could be worth a certain amount of Udinese. How much is he be worth in terms of transfer fee? You're looking at teams that are interested in Italy, maybe maybe 20 million, 30 million perhaps, but yeah. how many are going to be hesitant to pay in that? But then you look at, at Vicarage Road at Watford, how much is he worth to Watford? Is he, is he a difference maker? Would the injection of the pool be enough to make us feel significantly more comfortable in achieving uh, survival in the Premier League? And how much is that worth? Over 100 million. Mm-hmm. Is that an investment? Then maybe what happens after a season if he comes to Premier League, has a successful season, be 29 going into the following year, but are there teams that will that will pay for a 29-year-old with a slight bit of COVID recovery and a successful season in the Premier League? I think there are teams that would pay a similar value after a good season in the Premier League to what they're paying now for him as a 27-year-old. So do you feel that it's worth taking the risk that he does make a, a, a decent impact in keeping us up and you can at least retain the value he has now going into two years' time. That's that's the kind of equation that yeah. we're looking at right now. And it's, it's like obviously it, it, relies on the, it relies on the player being interested, of course, as well, but he's been quite vocal about wanting to play in the Premier League. And I think if he knows that his only real route to getting there is by going through Vicarage Road, then it's it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's a definite, but if you're kind of looking at the situation and trying to trying to assess how the how the ownership's going to feel about it, it might be a way of doing something that also may allow us to kind of use some of that Premier League money we've got to to send some money to Udinese and give them a little bit of flexibility in in kind of their situation, allow them to do some other things. And you know, I wouldn't say it's off the cards. He's a player that should be. He's a player that really should be moving on to bigger things right now. But given the situation, I think there's more room for things to happen that wouldn't normally. I definitely I agree with everything you've said. You've raised some very valid points. I think that the market being what it is, you know, I've said he's a 40, 50 million euro player on an open market without COVID. Well, Agreed. it is a COVID market. So those clubs aren't going to spend that much money on him. And in the same way that we look at, you know, parking Delafeo at Udinese is keeping him kind of in the stable, it works the other way. You know, if they want to, as you say, protect the asset and, and potentially enhance the value of the asset, then putting them in the Premier League um, is is probably no bad thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're taking some risks, aren't you? But yeah. You're taking some risks, but it's, it's, it might be worth it. And also, too, we, we can't underestimate how important this network is for us. And, you know, we've we've talked about the kind of Udinese transfer in between, between clubs so many times, but it was vital to what we did last season. You look at the players that moved. I mean, even, even Serie Alta alone, I mean, how much of a difference did that make us to our team? You know, these players that are kind of coming back and forth, it's, it's a huge impact and it's always going to be considered. I think when you're looking at these players, as soon as they're looking for a move, I don't think there's ever a single player that, that wants to move or is likely to move and they're not thinking to themselves, OK, would this player suit Udinese or would they suit Watford? Is there a chance yeah. we could get signed there? Even if it's not going to happen, it's at least considered. Um, so I'm sure these conversations have been had in regards to the pool as well. OK, moving on then. And... Um... Imran Loser seems to be somebody who is edging ever closer. At least that's what uh, all the different media outlets are reporting. Uh, Jordan, do we know anything more about this? And and, and if you, what do you think of him if, if, if there is some sort of uh, legitimacy to, to the claims that are being made? Yeah, I mean, first, it sounds legitimate. It seems a lot of indications are saying that it's kind of something that's going to happen pretty soon. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a good I think it's a good option. Um, I had the time to sit down and watch some more of him. And I think... I think he fixes or he definitely addresses or at least attempts to address a lot of the problems that we were we were thinking about that we may have when we get to that Premier League kind of football and the dynamic of the team shifts a little bit. You need some different some different options in there. And I think our midfield, 
whilst it was good for us this season, there's definitely a, a couple of holes and, and some areas need addressing. I think he he kind of fits that. It's someone that can transition the ball a little bit differently. He can carry it, but he's got a good range of passing, um, a little bit more mobile, kind of more of a traditional that like kind of number eight box to box midfielder, someone that can get forward and contribute both ways. Um, he, he's he, he's maybe not the most he's not a diving into tackle kind of solid defensive midfielder, but he's someone that's energetic and he can he can get around the pitch. He can be awkward in close space. He's a good presser. Um, then going forward, he's got you know a really nice left foot. He can cut inside. He can play from different angles. He can play in different spaces. He's just a nice, versatile, flexible midfielder that gives us some options. Um, he's, he has some experience playing on the wing too. He can play right or left. Um, he, he's played in the central midfield too, uh, in a 4-4-2 quite, quite a lot um, a couple of seasons ago. Um, he looks good there. He's quite comfortable on and off the ball. And he's also played in the attacking midfield at number 10 role and in the, that more box-to-box. So you're getting lots of uh, lots of flexibility and vari- variation in terms of his play. Um, offers a lot of good value for money there at 22 years old as well. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot to like about the player. Uh, obviously, you want to see him kind of testing himself in the Premier League. That'll be, you'll find out a lot more about the player. But from the early signs, it looks very a very good deal. And it looks something that, uh, something that will probably benefit us quite nicely in that midfield because we're currently... We are lacking someone who can do that. Chalaba, maybe you can say he could fill that role, but we haven't really seen enough to suggest that he's he's not going to miss at least a few games this season. So having that competition there and having the options, I think, is key. Tom, what do you make of him? Yeah, I won't have watched him as extensively as Jordan has, but I think the thing that really stands out just in my limited Y-Scout watchings is decent range of passing, really decent range of passing, that Etienne Capoue-like um you know, knack for just sweeping balls out from one side to the other. Um, straight away, and the other thing I was going to say was just looking at his minutes from last season. He's played all over, hasn't he? Which is, I think, bodes well in terms of what Jordan was saying there. Someone who can kind of do a little bit of a little bit of everything. Central um, midfield, I think we all agreed somewhere where we needed some strength in depth, firstly, but also something a little bit different and. From what I've seen, I think he does something or collectively things that none of our other central midfielders do. So it seems like a really, really quite smart, very potso signing. I think it's probably fair to say as well, given his kind of age profile as well. I think for me, in like in a midfield three, such as we're likely to be playing next year, next season, I think one one position that we always want to kind of see is just that all round midfielder, someone that's mobile. They can get around the pitch. They can contribute both ways. Uh, I think that was vital. I just don't really think we had that profile of player. And he's he's got some really good technical ability there too. And I think that left foot is, is a nice option as well. I know we haven't got a ton of left footers in the team. It, it is nice to have that variation in, in distribution. Um, again, I kind of looked, I kind of posted something on Twitter too about his, uh, his entries into the box. So where his locations are when he's making those passes into the forward areas, into the box. And he's someone that, that helps out quite a lot on that left-hand side quite naturally too, which is something we talked about a lot last season is we were very right right sided dominant um, and we didn't quite have the players that were comfortable in, in attacking down that avenue on that left hand side and maybe he's someone that can contribute a little bit there and, and kind of fill some of those roles that Zinkenegel was taking up when he was playing centrally um, and again that flexibility is, is something we need to give us the opportunity to change shape um, within a game or game to game you've, you've got someone there you can fill in you can you can kind of put in that position you know he's going to he's going to perform to a level that, that suits what you need um, and going into a season we're not quite sure what to expect and we're going to have to adapt a lot more in game than we did in previous uh, in the previous season where we were able to dominate these games for large portions we've got to be a little bit more reactive this year um, and he's someone that kind of fits that bill and as I said there's also, you know, all the other factors that come into play is quite a good value by the sounds of it. And he's uh, at a good age. 
um, it's a lot to like about this deal. Some people have likened him to Etienne Capou, and uh, I mean, obviously every player is different, but would you say there are some similarities there, Jordan? Um, maybe if you're talking about the fact that he likes, I mean, he's happy to kind of sit around the deeper area that he, he likes to play from deeper generally. Um, he can get forward quite well, but he's, he's going to spend a lot of time in that deeper position. So maybe if you've seen him kind of play some of those angled long balls in the center circle, it does happen. Um, but I think off the ball, they're much different. Um, Capu's obviously that rangy kind of interceptor. It just makes it very difficult to play through through that midfield. And I think I think Luz is a bit, a bit different in, in that sense. His, his kind of defensive his defensive solidity comes from that pressure um, and it's kind of forcing the, the opposition into mistakes rather than being that kind of interceptable winner that Kapu was. There are some similarities there um, in terms of that passing range, but I do think they're different players and I think they'll also occupy different roles in the team. I think you'll probably see uh, Will Hughes kind of occupy that deeper, that deeper role that he kind of started to do towards the end of last season too. Okay, so um, I suppose... How does he change the midfield loser in in terms of how they're currently playing, or or does he actually not change it at all, but just enhances it? And if he does that, whose position is he likely to to be forcing out? Yeah, I think it all just depends on what you're trying to do. In the sense, um, he could play a more passive role and kind of sit alongside the likes of Will Hughes and just kind of keep that distribution ticking over. And there might be occasions where you need that. But I think the real reason we we would be looking to sign him for is his ability to carry the ball. If you think about that midfield that we have, uh, also I, sh- I shouldn't say carry the ball, I should just say progress the ball, whether that's by carrying or his range of passing. I think if you look at that midfield we have right now, Will Hughes is quite an obvious ball player in that deeper area. He's someone that can spread the ball and, and get it forwards. Apart from that, you're kind of looking at a few different options. Cleverly, he's in there for generally, he's, he's kind of work off the ball. That's what you're looking at. Zinkenagel, he's more of a winger. I still feel like he's stronger in them wide areas. Gosling, similar to Cleverly. Uh, Chaba, we've seen some flashes of, of that, that ability to carry that ball. But I think finding someone that's just more efficient at doing so, like uh, Loser there, is, is, is the kind of reason we're seeing him come in. Um, we're talking again about these these sorts of games where we're not going to be having as much possession. Uh, a lot of our a lot of our attacks are going to consist of counter attacking. So you've got to have you've got to have ways of getting that ball forward accurately, consistently, um, rather than that kind of slower build up, probing the opposition and kind of feeding the ball to Saar. The midfielders are going to be asked to do a few different things this year. So we've got to make sure we've got the guys in place that can actually execute um, what they'll need to do to actually get us into them scoring opportunities. Mm. He likes a penalty as well, doesn't he? So, um, he top... does. I think it was five he scored this year. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it might make someone's job a little shaky. Indeed, indeed. If that particular person does end up not playing as much football, Tom, this could be the uh, the new penalty taker we're looking at here. Uh, it's, you know, Troy Deeney's very good at penalties. Ishmael Sol and Jao Pedro both took them last season, didn't they? But someone else to throw into the mix is never a bad thing. So, so yeah, so that's a bonus to have. Uh, it's, you know... You can, there's, there seems to be a lot to like about this deal, I must, I must say. From highlights, roles, he can also seem seemingly whip a ball in from the left as well. He takes he takes a few free kicks. So, um, I mean, like you say, Joy, it's nice to have another left-sided player in there. I think it's important, yeah. I think support that left-hand side is good. The fact, as you say, you can kind of play off that left foot from the right. It just adds a few different variations to that attack and, and also defensively too. It just gives you a little bit more balance and in possession you've got that balance in terms of kind of opening up some passing lanes that might not be available to a right footer as much or someone that's not as comfortable. He's also pretty both footed too. He's not he's not kind of you know, as a lot of left footers are quite dominant with that left foot, they're not so comfortable on the right. He's he's pretty open to using both. Um, I just think you're looking at a good technical player here. There's some things you've got to kind of remain to be seen. He's not the, he's five foot ten or so, but he's not the stockiest guy. He's you know maybe the most most powerful, but you know you don't also necessarily need that for that position. So there are a few questions that have to be answered. But 
Um, lots of promise, uh, lots of promise there. And I think um, I think that left foot is just another kind of bonus uh, to the, the package that he offers as a whole. Okay, then. Well, um, at the minute, it's very, very close. So, um, and, and we believe five years is is the deal that's that's being negotiated. So, it feels as though it's just a talking around the, the sums of money at the minute. So, I mean, what do we reckon? Somewhere between ten million and 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 a little bit below that is what's been reported in the in the in the news. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that's probably about the going route for a player of that kind of ilk. Now, the you know the even since we were last in the Premier League, the way the kind of money has moved on, you know what we what we paid for, you know the Holabases and Baramis, and so I think we paid was it six and a half for Kapoor, and he was a club record signing at the time. You know Holabas, I remember it was reported was our the most we'd ever spent on a defender, and it was sort of under two million still. You know that was six years ago now, and and a lot has changed. So um, I think that's about about the going rate really, and obviously with the 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 wealth as that you come into of coming back into the Premier League, um, you've got to we can't just rest on our laurels, or we're going to be back in this position again in twelve months' time. So um, seems like it's a sensible kind of approach to spending. I think you also probably feel like if you feel confident enough on the player, you probably feel like you can recoup the majority of that money, or if not, still gains the money on that deal. Should you get relegated, you're not going to be so tied to the player. You've got the opportunity to to kind of make that money back, and it's a kind of kind of feels relatively low risk if that's around ten million or so. It's it's not it's not the it's not the most scary proposition really. Okay, then, well, if that's one position uh, potentially sorted, uh, the other one that people are quite anxious to to try and sort out is another person to go up front. And there's been quite a few candidates to uh, to fill this particular berth. One that's just recently uh, come out is uh, Inketia, who is at Arsenal, of course, and has had some game time for Arsenal, but never really perhaps properly broken through in terms of getting regular regular minutes but you know i mean he, he played 29 times for arsenal last season which a fair amount and he scored six goals in that firstly do we think this is a possibility and secondly is he someone that we like it's quite a tough one to judge i think personally for me obviously last season you say he played quite a bit in the premier league it was kind of just over 400 minutes which makes it quite tricky to uh to, to read too much into i think probably played quite a bit more in the europa league and cup competitions if you Combine that figure, and then obviously, I think was it the previous season he was loaned to Leeds, wasn't he? And, and barely got a look in because of Marcelo Bielsa's very sort of famous or infamous um, need for players to really ingratiate themselves and assimilate with the, the the way he sets his team up. What I think bodes well with Eddie and Ket- Eddie and is he's very well rated by Arsenal fans, you know, highly rated by Arsenal fans. Um, they seem, to, they seem to want to score more, see more of him. And when he does play, he does seem to tend to be getting in good areas and getting among the goals and what have you. So it's it's another one where you would say there's, there's an element of gamble to it because of his age and sort of level of experience. But I would far rather we were doing that than buying tired, older names, you know, that perhaps you know the limits of. With someone like Eddie and Ketia, he's going to cost a few quid, but... He's 22 and, you know, there's there's not no limit on his potential, but a considerably higher limit on his potential, you would assume. He's out of contract next season. So, I mean, that might bring the price down a little bit. Yeah, I think the the figures for him, I mean, who knows how accurate these are, but the figures that were reported was around 15 million, which seems a little steep um, based on the fact that he is in that last year of his contract. And 
it's not going to be purely 15 million. You've got to kind of account for the extra fees that are going to be taking place after that. Um, so maybe that's something we're interested in. I mean, I, I think it's definitely, as we are kind of saying a little bit off air, it's definitely kind of the area we're looking at these these players that are playing at some at some bigger teams and they're not quite getting the football required or they're looking to kind of get that more opportunity in first-team football. And especially now we're in the Premier League, we can offer that level, that standard. It does open a lot of options up. And I think Nketi does fit that mould. I'm just not sure if if we're willing to kind of play ball with Arsenal, if we're talking about them sorts of fees. Um, but I mean, if you look at the players like Nketiah, Agbo, um, all these guys are kind of falling away a little bit and need to be playing, then it's a good market to work in. And I'm sure we'll continue to, to do so. It just remains to be seen whether Nketiah is a genuine proposition or not. Well, you mentioned him there. that uh, Agbo is one of the other guys that's um, that's being talked about. And it, it has got a bit more quiet around him uh, lately. But um, I suppose, you know, the media will get a hold of something and they'll move on. But I mean, is he still a potential? And and you know, how do you rate him compared to Inketia? Do you do you prefer Agbo or is it is it by um, the by? I mean, there's some similarities there in, in terms of profile. I think they're both still a possibility. I think it is so early in the transfer window that um, that some of these deals might be kind of talked about and then go quiet for a while because there's a lot of work to be done on them, um, especially through COVID. too. it does take a little bit longer. So. Yeah, I mean they're both they're both kind of interesting players. Agbo's had a good scoring season. I, I guess you could maybe argue that there's some some things to like about the fact that Agbo's been playing regularly, um, and in Belgium, which is obviously a plus in some in some ways, getting that more kind of consistent first team football, even if it is at a lower standard. Um, but yeah, I mean the, these are players that have a lot of traits that we like, and again, we feel comfortable that we're not going to get tied to them and, and lose a lot of money. They're not going to depreciate massively, uh, which is a kind of main reason why I don't see us spending 15 million on one of these players. I think we want to have more of a solid investment, and I think Enketia, whilst he's got a lot of promise and a lot of potential, is still a deal that could potentially go south if things didn't work out. Um, I think he's still enough of an unknown quantity they wouldn't quite want to spend that much money. It's quite a, an overstacked area, isn't it, Tom? The uh, the striking area. I mean, you'd, you'd need to, you know, be thinking about players leaving really before bringing anybody in. No, you're absolutely right. It's, obviously, we know Troy Deeney and Andre Gray are kind of big senior figures within this squad. Um, even if Troy Deeney is accepting of a the kind of lesser role going forward, you would reasonably assume that Andre Gray is going to want to be a fairly important part of things going forward. And then you've got... Um, obviously Jao Pedro you would reasonably assume is going to play a bit Stipe Paritza is there although I think realistically given how little he played under Munoz um, in the first sort of six months of his tenure I find it hard to believe that he's going to be involved to any extent next season and then there's still the you know there's still guys kicking around aren't there like Penuranda so you know no one's going to offer us 50 million for him at this stage so he needs to go Um it, 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 we've got to be sensible, haven't we? It's just because we're we're up and we've got the the kind of the money coming in from from the Premier League television and and so on, or you know that money on the horizon. We've still got to operate sensibly, and I, I think it's almost more important to uh, get rid of some of these guys that have been kicking around for too long now than than anything else. It's also a difficult one too because it, it it might not be. I mean, Pereira, I'm sure you can find a solution there. Um, we're not too worried about kind of getting that that money back. It wasn't like a huge fee was spent in any capacity, so you can probably find a place for him, even if it's a loan, um, just somewhere he can play football. But some of the others, some of the bigger owners like Gray and, and Dean, it's probably difficult to to commit too much to to bring in someone. And if we're not confident that we can get uh, a couple of these players out, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough sell. 
um, to move on one of those two, if that, if that is what we're planning on doing. I kind of get the feeling we won't try and move on from Troy. Um, but if we are trying to move on from Andre Gray, then it, it's going to be hard. And honestly, I'm still, at this point, I'm, I'm still thinking we're probably going to see both those players in in the squad come the start of the season. Um, but it, that obviously remains to be seen. There's still a long way to go before we get to that. Does that change the 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 need to bring a striker if we if we do have these guys at the start of of the campaign will there because obviously the the way the transfer window works is that it goes past the Premier League because before it was you had to had to get all business done before the Premier League started I I thought that uh, they changed it again so that you can you can you can continue to shop post start of the for those of you like me who can't keep up with this I have checked and it is. August 31st at 11pm, the transfer window, and that is in line with the rest of the kind of major European leagues this year. And the season will kick off two weeks prior to that on August the 14th. So, I mean, right. I don't really I, I don't really like that, to be honest, because I was all for the finish ahead of the season. But at least everybody's in line because that made a mess a few seasons ago, a couple of seasons ago, didn't it? So. Well, it used to be like you had a whole month and a, and a bit to um, to do extra business. At least it's now two weeks. Like I feel like that's more reasonable than than it was previously. Obviously, when they changed it so that it was you had to get your business done before the start of the season, I quite liked that as well. But it didn't, I guess, give you any just in case type time. Like, you know, you like you start a season, you're like, oh, we've got this terribly wrong, we can instantly tell. <laughs> Honestly, I think the biggest thing is that we're in line with the other leagues. I think because mm-hmm. that was an issue for us. I mean, we're, we're definitely a, a team that looks to find a little bit of hidden value if possible. And sometimes that value comes from the pressure of time. And, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've got to try to deal in markets where teams in kind of in foreign leagues know they've got that that plan b should a premier league team or an english team not be not be able to kind of meet their fee required they've got those other options around so it gives it gives the kind of other leagues a little bit of a bargaining chip there which you don't quite want in our situation um so i think being on the same level there will, will suit us um that's probably the most important thing from from our perspective i think um, okay, so we've um, we've discussed the strikers now, and somebody who we've talked about before on this show, and um, maybe it feels like we're we're going back to old ground here. But every time I uh, I look on on you know different news sites, it seems to crop back up again. It's one of those repeating ones that just keeps coming round and round. And I said earlier the Yugbo one disappeared, but the Ashley Young story keeps coming back, and uh, everyone likes to uh, have a say. It and recently uh, John Barnes has, has has called for him to come back to to Watford as well. Taking advice from John Barnes on transfer policy is just a, yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. I think Ashley, Ashley Young's could be one of these guys that's talked about by the media quite heavily because he's a, you know, former England international, former Manchester United player. We should be privileged to have Ashley Young back in the team kind of thing, which, you know, it, there, are some, there are some pros to the signing. I don't think it's a bad signing if it goes, if it happens by any means. Um, I think I've, I've actually come around a little bit on it, but it just depends all the context of what of what happens around it. Um, if you bring him in for a specific role and he kind of fills that, and we, we need that that space covered, then yeah, for sure, it's a, it's a good bridge player. It's a one year deal or something. Then then why not? Um, he's, he's still he's come off the back of quite a good season, and um, yeah, there's some pros there. But it's it's for me, it just depends on the timing and kind of how the squad looks and. And, and what that plan is going forward for the rest of the off season that, that kind of gives us that context and how to feel about this deal. 
Um, even if in some ways there's some sort of nostalgic, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm probably quite alone. I'm I'm definitely quite alone in this. I think just based off um, feedback on and what I've seen online. But I was heavily, you know, I was heavily involved in that time, and I I, was, I, had, I had my season ticket at that point when Ashley Young was around, and kind of at the time we sold him, and it was disappointing at the time. But I don't feel a real nostalgic hit for Ashley Young coming back in a strange way. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't hit me in in the, in the same way that it seems to others. And I guess I'm alone on that. You know what? I never like it when a player celebrates against you. Um, so, so <laughs> we were giving them some shit that game, though. Uh, he scored two free kicks, didn't he? Was it was it a free kick and a, a goal? A free kick and another goal. I can't. Yeah. I think it's two free. But kicks he was there. really giving it, wasn't he? And uh, I don't know. I felt like it left a bit of a bad taste in the mouth there because we uh, were. I I, yeah. I do remember the fans singing at him pretty hard that game though in the corner. Why were Watford fans giving him grief that day? I wasn't at that game for some reason. Just because he came back, as all I could tell. <laughs> I think there's anything in particular. I think it was just he had the temerity <laughs> to come back and play against us on our own I think ground. It was literally just it was one of those occasions where the fans are giving it. I mean, my season tickets were right near the side of the stadium, so I, yeah, it's in kind of throughout and John stands where I was sat, so I I couldn't really. I couldn't see anything that kind of st- like started any sort of you know animosity between the the group of fans and, and Ashley Young, but clearly something bothered them and it kind of started. It was going on from the beginning. I think it might have even started with his, his name being booed and he was read off the team sheet kind of thing. Oh, um, that's really that. weird. Has he done I, something I in be... a previous game then with Villa or United coming back? I, I don't. Honestly, I don't recall. I might be wrong on the on the name being called out. I think, but I feel like Tweet that did happen. Tweet us yeah. if we've missed something obvious because I'm sure we probably have. It seems weird that he would just come back, get grief from the outset to me without some yeah. sort of trigger. But it was a bit. Were you at that? Were you at that game, Matt? Yeah, I was. I remember seeing. I, I, I'm there for all the bad games, guys. Like you know, I, I miss all the amazing things, like the playoff semi-finals, and I turn up for. Did you miss the playoff semi-final? I didn't know that. Yeah, and the FA Cup semi-final. Oh I, man, I know. I, I miss all. Oh. But then I turn up for Wembley and and see the six-nil smashings in the. Um, Where what what were you yeah. doing? Were you, were you commentating in some of those games? Um. Yeah, I think I was for some of them. For the playoff semi-final, actually, I was um recovering from hospital. Um, I'd broken my nose in a in a in a football. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, that required a hospital visit, did it? Yeah, I believe I was commentating for the semi-final, the FA Cup semi-final one. But um, yeah. Well, Never mind. Nose, wasn't it? Didn't get to see the amazing. Were you at least watching pitch. it? Yeah. No, I did. I watched the first one. Um, live. Uh, in a pub. Um, and it was amazing. It was amazing to watch it. It was really, really good. Um, this has suddenly turned into a to a story time, hasn't it? But, but uh, yeah, no, it was. <laughs> it, it's, it's the best game that that has, in my opinion, ever graced Vicarage Road. At least uh, in in my time of being alive. Um, I'm sure people would would disagree with with that in in the the whole time that Vicarage Road has been hosting football. And they're probably right as well because I'm sure there have been better games. But that one was. Was was special, and I was gutted to not be there. Hmm. What? Well, just a, a bit of a tangent here. Where do you guys normally sit at the stadium? I've sat in every single part of the ground, but currently my season ticket is in at the Elton John stand. Okay. What about you, Tom? Uh, I sat in the lower house for years, and then I moved to I the too, and then I went back to lower house. Uh, I have to say, I do prefer being in the recree from a being up high and just seeing more of the game you know yeah i i was in lower rouse for the majority like for the first few years of my season ticket and then when they there's a certain point they changed they changed some seating in the disabled area so we kind of got 
had to be reallocated our seats and oh, yeah. i managed to get into the um gray and taylor stand there like rose z but that stand is so small that rose z is actually kind of like the best like safe space to watch the game yeah it's just, in front. it's just unfortunately it's just in front of the hospitality so a lot of time you get the the kind of hospitality guys from the away team behind you which could be a bit irritating yeah. at times but in terms of view of the pitches right on the halfway line pretty well close to the halfway line do you get the smells really of the nice food seat. jordan you're like oh we some of the some food that. smells horrific there's a fish dish they do there horrific wow well, there's a fish dish they do there in particular, which smells, it's horrible. It's not, it doesn't smell appetizing at all. Um, Interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't comment on that. I've never had the privilege of um, of eating said foods, but yeah. just from the smell test, I'd avoid it on the, on the fish days. <laughs> I mean, if anyone out there really, really enjoys the work that we do and happens to work for, for Watford and, and fancies getting us in for... Uh, you know, to, to to sample it, then um, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. If I'll you'd do like it. to give me a plane ticket, that would be great as well. <laughs> I think we've just blown any chance, to be honest, with that review <laughs> of the the smell of it. There's just the something about is... you don't want to be sat through a ninety minute game of the last forty five at least. Just man, this kind of it. It's a, It's just too. It's just too pungent of a fish smell. It's just. It's not appetizing, and it's it's just kind of off putting and distracting mm. from the. Uh, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, fish can if be you're like into that. it. Uh, when I used to when I used to work in this in this other uh, place, which I'll I'll, I'll save the the grace of, there was this microwave there, and and the the cleaning staff would always come in and they would use the microwave and they would do some kind of weird fish that I'd never even heard of before. It absolutely stank out the place. People who use fish in the microwave have a special place in hell dedicated for them. <laughs> I agree. Like a workplace microwave uses yeah. fish. Yeah, just, yeah. That's for a cardinal sin. Of... Yeah. Great. I mean, fish in the microwave is just, is a gross thought anyway. Like, I've yeah. reheating fish. I'm assuming it's reheating. I'm, I'm yeah. assuming these yeah. aren't absolute savages. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> horrific stuff. Well, maybe that's what they're doing at Vicarage Road. I, I can't tell you. But um, I did actually have one one plus side of having the hospitality behind me is um, I did have Damien Lewis sat behind me for a game, which is a pleasure to see. Oh, nice. Um, Major Major Dick Winters in person. Uh, I don't know what that is, but I am watching Homeland, and he's in that. Oh yeah, it's actually a, it's Band of Brothers. He was, uh, he was mm-hmm. yeah. Um, nice. I hope this stuff gets kept in, not cut out by. Me. Yeah, this this is all good stuff. To be fair, Talking yeah, I mean that's our TV section. Damien from Lewis, shows from how long ago? Damien Lewis, Band of- big fan of the podcast. Damien Lewis, thanks for listening. I'm pretty sure um, there was a from... Denon Lewis who played for Watford. No, oh, there was. There he was played, yeah. Wasn't it Luton though? Um, no, no, the actor from Homeland and uh, and um, Band of Brothers. Denon Lewis Dick is Winters. a wheelstone. Anyway, he sat behind me at a game one time. I was just saying that was one of the pluses of the... He's actually a good footballer. He's played in the charity games. He's a good player. Mm. Oh. Um, Interesting. But yeah. Anyway, listener of the show, fan of the show, Damien Lewis. Listen to the show. I've got no idea that I doubt oh. it. This is <laughs> I like I like the way you started with I've got no idea, as if it's plausible. He does not listen to the show. You don't know he doesn't listen. Damien, if you're listening right now, please please get in touch. Yeah. Uh, and if, if Denon Lewis is listening, would would also uh you know I'm up for a guest appearance from either. We haven't had a celebrity guest yet. Is that something we want to I don't know, everyone looking? else seems to be doing that. I don't know if we should go the same way or just be ourselves and, and, and not yeah. do it. Well, I can see what I can do, man. I've got a few. How about, got a few how about an American rapper? We well, we do have an American yeah, rapper. Listens, that do. is true. We that do. is true. I suppose, yeah. Get Whoa. him on. 
You didn't know that? He's he's written into shows, but I believe it's pronounced suppose as in abbreviation of suppose. I've actually listened to some of his music. It's pretty good. Um, so yeah, a little plug for a, a Watford fan there, an American rapper Watford fan. I was just going if in. I didn't, realize, I didn't realize we were on. We were on. <laughs> we were I'm assuming we're just leaving this all in at this point. <laughs> this is we're pretty much at the end of the show. Yeah, <laughs> we're pretty much at the end of the show. So you might as well include. This is the bonus edition anyway. If you, again, if you listen this far, thank Unbelievable. you. Unbelievable! You put his name into Google and he actually comes up. Ryan Michael Peters. Yeah, he's good, man. He's, yeah, he's, I believe he's from Maine. Have a look at how many Twitter followers. He is, yeah. He, you know, this he, is the real, real deal guy here. Why do I not know about this and why does he support Watford? Hi, Mike. Hi Ryan. We should ask why. Well, that's um, the question I point. would like to know, actually. I mean, yeah. In, I, I, he watches every game. He comments on the game. I've spoken to him a few times on Twitter, so he definitely knows his thing. This is... I mean, I'm not up on music in whatsoever, so it's no shock that I'm not aware of this, but... Evidence by is... using the phrase up on music. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. On the music. Oh, yeah, look at that. You find him on Twitter and his header is two thirds of a Watford badge. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is quite something. Um, yeah, I don't really know where to go with that. The, the <laughs> kick, if you get Douglas Rinaldi on, perhaps that'd be cool. That would be nice. Yeah, you, you know what? I would love to do that. I'd love to get on random players that never Irony. really did stuff. Johan Cavalli. Yeah. Oh, please. He was playing for years after he left us. In Fantastic France. little player. Was when he liked him, Tenacious. Isa? I don't know that either. Oh, Pierre Isa. Yeah, Isa, yeah. Pierre Isa. Um, I remember Moses Ashikodi. Moses Ashikodi. Pierre Isa um, was the guy that we uh, we couldn't um, stretcher. stretcher in properly. Yohan uh, uh, Cavalli only retired last year after wow. spending 10 years at Ajaccio. That's magnificent. Three, 300 appearances. Yeah, fair play to him. In my uh, mind, he's, he's five foot three. He had a tiny he's, guy, wasn't he? He's five foot seven, apparently. Not a Boothroyd player, but he liked him, didn't he? Although he always yeah, stuck him it. out wide. That was one of the signings for getting ready to get. That was actually young money, wasn't it? Going full circle there. Yeah, that was a really weird period, wasn't it? Because we signed him. Douglas Rinaldi and Will Hoskins. Oh, I was thinking who's the other one? Cedric. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Cedric Avenel. Cedric. Cedric none Avenel. of none of whom had played for Boothroyd before or were British, and Dipped it was just really market. weird. Yeah, it was just really weird. We just went and got this little cabal of weird French. Well, um, was that only formerly Rangers? Wasn't there some instant yes. where he stabbed someone with a fork in the canteen or something? There. <laughs> I right, we've really gone off we've gone off the rails so so massively here this guy just don't edit it Matt just throw it in there no just, do do just, do just, what can you edit though on this conversation here well, I, need to be... get, well, I don't know I, I, I... I just think end it and then say for those of you that enjoy the waffle at the end here's a load more and it'll be like another 20 minutes but yeah. it'll be good fun um, just quickly and on a serious note do go on my Twitter and find. Oh, why is he ringing? Me? Do go on my Twitter and find my. Like Damien Lewis is ringing in there. <laughs> he is, yeah, I'll get him on. Uh, okay, do go on my Twitter and find my interview with Marco Cassetti. Oh, I, I didn't even. Didn't even see, oh, yeah, no, I did, I did see that. I didn't know yeah, that. Please do. Marco Cassetti. Yeah, go, go and have a read. Oh. Everybody, not just Matt and uh, Jordan. <laughs> oh, I assumed that was just us. Uh, no, 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 no! Everybody, go read, go read. Massage my ego. We, my aunt actually um, was an estate agent and got Mark Cassetti his house in Watford, in St Albans. There you go. Wow. Yeah, St Albans. So he was a lovely man. Nice. Effusive about. Okay, well, thanks to listening. 
uh, to all of this. Um, this is the, the 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 first pub back of the of the new season, is it or is it not? I guess so. Yeah, season. first post season. Like since we've this had is the first post season pod. Yeah. The secret is we recorded this in two parts, so it feels like to be. Oh, don't tell everyone the secret. <laughs> Um, yeah, so please do uh, follow us at Watford Pod, um, and stay tuned for for more because there will be more because uh, you know news just keeps coming out, which means we need to we need to do more pods to to, to talk about it. That's generally how podcasts work. Please feel free to check out everyone's Twitter um, or I don't know whatever other platforms you guys want to talk about. Go read Tom's interview with Marco Cassetti. Go follow Spose, listen to some of his music, and also please feel free to go watch Damien Lewis in uh, Band of Brothers. Excellent. So, um, uh, so we've been the Watford Pods, and uh, we'll see you next time. You sound so dejected. <laughs> <laughs> you knew better than to try and make that a long outro, didn't you? You love fucking these two are just pissing around at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> With every sentence, you felt time slipping away.